This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, the suspect in the Idaho student killings agrees to extradition. He will now be transferred to Idaho to face charges. Find out what prosecutors and police had to say about the situation. It's been a century since the U.S. House has failed to choose a speaker after a first-round vote. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy can't seem to convince the majority he should wield the gavel. Democrats have called the action a cruel political stunt. Now, Democrat Governor Jared Polis is busing illegal immigrants from Colorado to so-called sanctuary cities. South Korea ramps up COVID testing of inbound Chinese travelers. Over 25% of them tested positive yesterday. Meanwhile, a Chinese national disappears from a quarantine facility. And some more advice on reaching your New Year goals. We spoke to a nutritionist who gave us some tips on how to be healthier. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Wednesday today, January 4th. The suspect accused of murdering four students at the University of Idaho had a court hearing in Pennsylvania yesterday. He agreed not to fight extradition and will now be transferred to Idaho to face murder charges. 28-year-old Brian Koberger was taken into custody last week in Pennsylvania. Investigators say he was visiting family there. He faces four counts of first-degree murder and felony burglary. Authorities have not publicly disclosed a motive yet, but they say they're confident Koberger is responsible. Prosecutors say a probable cause affidavit will offer additional details. It will remain, se remain sealed until Koberger is in Idaho. Having uh, read those documents and the uh, sealed affidavits of probable cause, I definitely believe that one of the main reasons the defendant chose to waive extradition and hurry his return back to Idaho was the need to know what was in those documents. I don't want to get into a timeline in terms of when we were notified by the FBI and when the surveillance began. The information was held very close uh, and we did not want to have any situation where uh, Mr. Koberger potentially would be tipped off. Mr. Koberger was taken into custody without incident. The scene was turned over to the FBI evidence response team for processing. Mr. Koberger was then turned over to the Monroe County Prison where he has remained in their custody since. Koberger has been studying at Washington State University near the University of Idaho campus. He was working toward a Ph.D. in criminal justice. Three women and one man were found dead inside a home in Moscow, Idaho in mid-November. Authorities say they all suffered multiple stab wounds. Two other female roommates were in the house at the time of the killings. They apparently slept through the attack and were unharmed. An amazing rescue in California. A family of four survived after their Tesla went off a road on Monday and plunged 250 feet. However, police now suspect a Pasadena doctor of intentionally driving the car off a cliff. The driver, Darmesh Patel, his wife and two young children were with him at the time of the crash. The car drove off the California Pacific Coast Highway near an area called Devil's Slide. The doors of the Tesla smashed against the cliff and were jammed shut. Firefighters were forced to use the jaws of life to cut the victims out of the car. Patel, his wife and children were all rushed to the hospital with injuries. 
All four were conscious and alert when rescuers arrived. However, following overnight investigations, Patel was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and child abuse. After interviewing witnesses and gathering evidence from the scene, investigators developed probable cause and believe this incident was an intentional act. He will be booked into San Mateo County Jail after he is released from the hospital. It was a night of drama in the U.S. House of Representatives yesterday. Opposition is growing against Republican leader Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. He failed to win a majority to secure the gavel after three consecutive rounds of votes. Hardline conservatives rebelled against Republican Kevin McCarthy on Tuesday, blocking his bid to become Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives in three consecutive votes leaving the new Republican majority in turmoil. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. McCarthy fell short of the 218 vote majority needed to succeed Democrat Nancy Pelosi as speaker in each of the three votes. It was the first time in a century that the House failed to elect a speaker on the first vote. House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries outran McCarthy in all three rounds with 212 votes. McCarthy showed no sign of withdrawing from the contest after the second ballot. He had served as the House Minority Leader and sought to become Speaker, a position second in the line of succession to the U.S. presidency, only to draw strong opposition from his party's right flank. Lawmaker Matt Gates voted to block McCarthy's bid for Speaker. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. McCarthy countered that the holdouts were pushing personal agendas. I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. So we may have a battle on the floor, but the battle is for the conference and the country, and that's fine with me. A protracted speaker election could undermine House Republican hopes of moving forward quickly on priorities, including investigations of President Joe Biden's administration and family, as well as legislative priorities involving the economy, U.S. energy independence and border security. A standoff would leave the House largely paralyzed and could force lawmakers to consider another candidate. Trump ally and co-founder of the House Freedom Caucus, Jim Jordan, was put forward by Matt Gates and earned 20 votes in Tuesday's final round. Republicans won a narrow 222 to 212 majority in November's midterm election, meaning that McCarthy or any candidate for speaker will need to unify a fractious caucus to win the gavel. Democrats hold a slim majority in the Senate. It's been called callous, cruel, and a political stunt by many Democrats. Now Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who is a Democrat, is busing illegal immigrants out of his state to so-called sanctuary cities. Polis issued a statement yesterday. He says the number of people being bussed out has recently grown to clear a backlog due to the harsh winter weather. Destinations include Chicago and New York. Both cities are known for very cold winters. New York Mayor Eric Adams warned last month that his city's shelters are at capacity. In response to Colorado's plan, he said, This is just unfair for local governments to have to take on this national obligation. In his words, there's no more room at the inn. Democrats have widely criticized Republican governors like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott for the same action. The FDA is allowing retail pharmacies to offer abortion pills in the United States for the first time. This comes at a time when more states are seeking to ban what is known as medication abortion. Pharmacies can apply for a certification to distribute the abortion pill, pill Mephisto. 
Mephispristone with one of the two companies that make it. If successful, they will be able to dispense it directly to patients upon receiving a prescription. Mephispristone induces an abortion up to 10 weeks into a pregnancy in combination with a second drug called misoprostol. It can cause the death of an embryo or fetus by blocking progesterone. That's a hormone and essential to maintaining pregnancy. One of the risks of using the abortion pill is an incomplete abortion, which means it may need to be followed by surgical abortion. And if a woman decides to continue the pregnancy after taking an abortion medicine, the pregnancy may be at risk of major complications. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was sworn in for his second term on January 3rd. Some say the possible 2024 contender sounded more like a presidential candidate during his inauguration speech because he touched on many national issues. Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis was sworn into his second term in Tallahassee on Tuesday. Please repeat after me. I, Ron DeSantis. I, Ron DeSantis. During his inauguration speech, DeSantis criticized what he calls woke ideology. He said such ideas claim to benefit marginalized groups, but ignore merit and achievement. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. He said such ideology can be seen in schools, for example. During his first term, DeSantis implemented the Parental Rights Act, which bans teaching about gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. During his Tuesday speech, the governor took some time to criticize federal decision-making. Federal government has gone on an inflationary spending binge that has left our nation weaker and our citizens poorer. It has enacted pandemic restrictions and mandates based more on ideology and politics than on sound science. And this has eroded freedom and stunted commerce. It has recklessly facilitated open borders. DeSantis is a likely frontrunner for the Republican nomination for president in 2024. An endorsement by former President Trump helped DeSantis win his first gubernatorial bid in 2018. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. Coming up, South Korea intensifies anti-COVID measures against Chinese travelers. One such traveler tests positive but disappears from the quarantine facility. A new year without fireworks in China, a ban on fireworks and an arrest have caused new demonstrations in at least three cities during the New Year's holiday. We'll have more after the break. Welcome back. We're going over to South Korea now for a moment. The country has stepped up mandatory coronavirus tests on travelers from China. This after a Chinese national who tested positive for COVID-19 went missing while waiting at a quarantine facility. And today's Daniel Monaghan has this report. Health officials and military officers can be seen wearing protective suits. They are keeping a watchful eye as travelers from China stream through the arrival hall at Incheon International Airport. The travelers will then proceed to a nearby testing center. The case of the missing Chinese national has fueled public debate on restrictions on people arriving from China. This South Korean resident welcomes their arrival. I think we should open the door wider to the Chinese travelers and regard them more favorably so that more tourists can come. 
while 30-year-old Lee Jae-moon wants stricter rules. I saw the news that a person came from China who was supposed to be quarantined but had escaped. That incident underlines the seriousness of the situation. South Korean authorities say the missing person was transferred to a hotel to await admission to quarantine but then disappeared. Health Ministry official Kim Joo-young says the individual has been placed on a wanted list. The person could be subject to up to one year in prison or 10 million won in fines if convicted of violating the Infectious Disease Control and Prevention Act. Also, the person would be deported and banned from entering the country for a certain period of time. Over 2,000 people have arrived from China since January 2nd. More than 22 percent of those tested were COVID positive. On Tuesday, about 26 percent of the more than 280 people tested were positive. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The EU is set to impose new restrictions on travelers from China. The restrictions are expected to come into force within days and involve pre-departure COVID-19 tests. It's an effort to prevent a surge in infections across the bloc. The EU Commission says the move was requested by an overwhelming majority of the 27 member states. France, Italy and Spain have already said that visitors from China will be subject to providing evidence of a recent negative COVID test or proof of vaccination. Further measures recommended by EU health officials include the wearing of masks on flights and monitoring of wastewater from aircraft. The EU health commissioner said a final decision will be made on Wednesday. China has recently emerged from a lengthy lockdown, a measure taken despite a rise in infections. Meanwhile, the European Union has offered free COVID-19 vaccines to China, but China has not officially responded yet. When asked whether Beijing would accept the offer, the Chinese foreign ministry said that China's vaccination rate and treatment capacity continued to rise and its supplies were adequate. And in China, people are getting arrested for setting up fireworks on New Year's Day. This has caused new demonstrations in at least three Chinese cities during the New Year's holiday. Thousands of people were reportedly involved. Monday night, citizens in central China's Henan province destroyed and flipped over a police car. This after police arrested a citizen for setting off fireworks in Zhoukou City. The angry crowd surrounded the vehicle, preventing officers from taking the citizen to a police station. Some protesters smashed the car's windshield and windows. Others climbed onto the car's roof and danced. In the end, they overturned it. At least two people were arrested on site. For years, the Chinese Communist regime has banned the use of fireworks across the nation. But some cities have since loosened the rule to allow citizens to fully celebrate the first new year since COVID-19 lockdowns lifted. Though some cities kept the ban in place, the issue came to a head during the protest. In another video clip shared online, one protester is heard saying, quote, people of Xutang City, let's fight. Xutang is another city in Henan province. On New Year's Eve, more than a thousand people gathered in the streets there. They celebrated with fireworks despite a police presence on site. Over in northern China's Shandong province, one car set off fireworks while driving through the area, with a police car on its tail. Another car was stopped by a police officer, but the driver continued setting off fireworks anyway. Another video shows city workers using fire extinguishers to stop citizens from lighting the fireworks. Over in Nanjing City, a crowd of what appeared to be hundreds of people broke down a police blockade. It was set up to surround the statue of Sun Yat-sen, 
Swin is known as the father of the nation in Taiwan and the forerunner of the revolution in China. That's for his contribution in overthrowing China's last dynasty. He was a promoter of democracy. Elsewhere, a highway in Henan province saw New Year's Day protests. Hundreds of bank fraud victims gathered there to bring attention to the issue and demand their money back. Russia's defense ministry reported 89 servicemen had been killed in the Ukrainian attack in Makivka, a city in the Moscow-controlled part of the Donetsk region. The ministry added that the main reason for the attack was the troops' unauthorized use of cell phones, allowing Ukrainian forces to track and determine the soldiers' location. The missile strike on a school that was converted into military quarters in Makivka occurred just after midnight on New Year's Day. The defense ministry further added that the building was hit by four rockets from the U.S.-made HIMARS launchers, causing the building to collapse. The attack has prompted some lawmakers in Russia to question its military strategy. Russia previously reported that 63 Russian soldiers were killed. Passengers of the Viking cruise ship Orion are set to be compensated after algae spoiled their Australia-New Zealand cruise. The Viking Orion, with a 930 guest capacity, was denied entry to multiple ports last week due to marine growth on the ship's hull. After being denied access to a New Zealand port, the cruise ship charged straight to the southern Australian port of Adelaide. The cruise bypassed its planned stops in Tasmania and New Zealand's South Island. The ship stopped 12 nautical miles out to sea while professional divers cleared the hull of plants, algae and small animals. Passengers on the ship said it was disappointing to miss the scheduled visits, but that most people maintained a sense of humor. The cruise finished its trip at Sydney and Melbourne. The passengers will be compensated with vouchers ranging from $6,000 to $20,000. And this is the second time in the past month New Zealand officials have blocked port access to a cruise ship. The Coral Princess was denied access in December after officials found snails on its hull. Next, losing a few pounds around the waist, belly, fat, or just feeling less fatigue, we spoke to a nutritionist for some healthy tips this year. Next, since we're starting a new year, this is our opportunity to start making better choices when it comes to our diet. I spoke to Kimberly Gomer. She's a director of nutrition at Body Beautiful Miami, and she also has her own private practice. And first, I asked her what should people eat if they want to lose a few pounds? It's very individual. But I will say that if you stick to whole foods, meaning the foods that you recognize uh, without the packaging, so what you typically think of as uh, vegetables, proteins, fruits, and complex carbohydrates like potatoes, brown rice. Now, there's a little caveat to that. If you happen to be the one in three people in the United States who have prediabetes, well, you have an insulin resistance issue. And those folks with any type of insulin resistance, they are very carbohydrate intolerant. So those individuals will need to really think about how much carbohydrates they can eat. Right, and let's get get into a more specific scenario, let's say, because I've been experiencing, for instance, fatigue for the last week a lot. What kind of foods would you um, recommend for that? Do you know that that is one of the most prevalent questions women particularly ask their physicians? Uh, I'm tired. 
And what happens is the doctor will do some tests on, is your iron low? You know, is there something going on physiologically? Is your B12 low? So there are some labs that you can take to say, hey, are you really having a problem that is uh, something that we can treat? But if it's just, you know, I don't feel energetic. Well, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, how's your sleep? If your sleep is not great, uh, you know, we can eat all these healthy foods, but, you know, it's not going to really work as well. Uh, what's your stress level like? Post the holidays, you know, we all have to decompress. The holidays are amazing, but, you know, we're really hyped up and we're, we're partying and, you know, we're doing all those kind of things. So looking at those kind of uh, parameters, if you are not getting sleep, if you are completely stressed, what can you do to fix that? And then looking at food, again, how much sugar, how much processed food, how much alcohol are you eating? I promise you, if you kind of get back to what we all know, you don't need me as a dietitian to tell you, you know that a piece of beautiful salmon, uh, a beautiful salad, it's, it's a beautiful meal. You're going to feel amazing from that, you know? Oh yeah, I bet. And now let's go back to, you know, weight loss for a quick second. So are there any differences depending on what the specific goal is? Let's say if, if I wanted to shed some weight around my waist um, versus, you know, belly or, or um, legs and stuff like that. So I have to tell you that uh, that's uh, my favorite question right now, because that's one thing that you cannot do with diet or exercise. You cannot eat to target belly fat. However, I will tell you this. A lot of people with belly fat are inflamed. So when they eat an anti-inflammatory diet, they see their belly fat go down. So eating things like salmon, I mean, the omega-3 fatty acids, salmon, avocado, uh, those are beautiful for anti-inflammatory. And what inflames a lot of people are the processed, I know I'm gonna say this again, but the breads, the crackers, the sweets, the alcohol. Once we get rid of those uh, foods, now, there are some, many of my clients are gluten sensitive. And when they get rid of gluten, oh my God, their stomachs, their bellies come down. The other kind of, a little bit of a, a maybe newer thought is the processed seed oils. Those are also very inflammatory. So what those are, are oils like canola, corn oil, soybean oil, uh, those oils made from vegetable seeds, which we kind of used to think were those are the healthy ones, but in fact, those are very inflammatory. So doing this individualized uh, nutrition and lifestyle plan, that's really what's going to get you to your New Year's goals. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if you've heard this, but 64% of people who make a New Year's resolution fall apart by the end of January. So right, and this is actually the next question that I really wanted to ask you because um, I want to know what the most common mistake is that you see that, and we should be aware of that people make on their weight loss journey. Absolutely. It's going too hard too fast, saying, okay, I fell apart of the holidays. What I'm going to do is go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to do three hours of cardio and an hour of weight training. I'm going to go on some kind of very low carb or some type of uh, crazy calorie restricted diet. And yeah, of course, it's, it's not sustainable. So understanding that some of our personalities, and I'm very type A, I love to go, go hard, you know, but honestly, 
sometimes just doing it by layers. Start with the biggest issue. For most people, it's, it's your diet. And I want to just uh, say one thing that anybody can do to start getting healthier, and that is to stop all the grazing. We live in a culture that we eat constantly. We have breakfast, we have snacks, we go to Starbucks and get the stop all of that. Because when you are producing insulin, which is anytime you eat, you are in a fat storing mode. So what we want to do is get insulin low, very low, so that we can burn fat. So for my weight loss clients, one of the first things I do is get them to stop all that snacking and eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Hmm. That's very interesting, and I could listen to you all day because that's <laughs> such such helpful advice. We got to end it here, though. So thank you so much, Kimberly Gomer. I appreciate it. It's so my pleasure. I want to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and joyous New Year. Those inflammatory oil, oils she mentioned, remember, like seed oils or soybean oils, apparently they're the most shafe, uh, sorry, shelf stable. So they're in a lot of packaged foods we buy. And she says if you get rid of those, people will feel more energetic and less bloated in like one or two weeks. That is so cool. You know, nutrition is such a complex field. And oh, Evelyn, here's a tip. When you prepare food, make sure it's colorful because you eat with your eyes too. I agree, totally agree. All right, that's it for today. Remember to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.